It does sound a little funny, your mic, I will say. Yeah, um, I tested it and it sounded fine. I just want to make sure that, you know, we're triple covered, as we do. We are. We are more than covered. Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Friday, October 2nd, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a weekly podcast with two producers on opposite coasts. Yes, we are running one day late, but hey, that's what happens in production. (laughs) Christian, who normally is in New York, is right now in Texas on a production. I'm in Los Angeles. We're still exploring what it means to be a good producer as we come out of this global shutdown and get back to work while still navigating the coronavirus and everything else that's going on in this world. (laughs) We find ourselves being asked to take on greater responsibilities from a variety of guidelines created by multiple sources. Now more than ever, it's important for us to keep sharing our experiences and ideas. And we want to hear yours, so share your story with us. Let us know if you're working. How are you staying safe? How are your crews doing? Email us at producershappyhour at gmail.com. And please rate the show on Apple. Listen, we need to be liked. We need your validation. <laughs> Could you please rate the show on Apple Podcast and share it with your friends, colleagues, your mother-in-law? We want these stories to be heard. They're human stories. Everyone can relate. Christian, today we have an interview with a great agency producer, mm-hmm. Karen Jean, known mm-hmm. by many as KJ. We recorded earlier this week, and it's actually going to be a two-parter because we went deep. We went really deep, and KJ had a lot to say. Yes, so we're going to be talking with her about filming during COVID from the agency's perspective. And then Mm -hmm. next week, we'll have part two, which is a discussion about systemic racism in our industry. Fascinating, fascinating, guys. So stay tuned for that. Yes. So, uh, Lawrence, how's it going? Oh, man. Look what happens when we... we, uh, Record one one day later, the world turned upside down even further. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, as bizarre as everything is, I'm doing fine. How are you? You're in the middle of a job. So, I'm in Dallas, Texas. And I can tell you that there's not as many masks as I was hoping for down here. Crew's mm-hmm. great, obviously. Crew, you know, like, we're just a different breed of people, I think. We understand that uh, even if I don't believe in it, I'm going to, you know, do it for the job. So the crew is fantastic. So it's been a very interesting job in order to go from, you know, New York or L.A. and those regulations to the regulations for filming here are really based on the production company's guidelines that you work for. Yeah. Or how strict the producer is, which, you know, I'm carrying through, you know, New York or L.A. guidelines to here. You know, mm-hmm. other than that, it's, you just don't want to go out. Yeah. Even though shit's right. open, it just is very strange. Doesn't feel good. Yeah. And then we just added two um, filming days, Monday and Tuesday, to a completely different part of Texas. So, you know, a little busy. <laughs> little, little busy. We need to let you go because you got to prep all this. Yeah, I got um, a pre-film meeting in about an hour and a half. So. Yes. <laughs> okay, so one quick piece of news I wanted to mention before we go into the interview with KJ is that uh, there was an article in BTL News that IOTC is going to take a zero tolerance policy for not following COVID-19 protocols. Because as you as you know, go on. <laughs> go on. As you know, earlier this week, the Hollywood unions finally came to an agreement with the AMPTP for a mm-hmm. new contract for shooting under COVID nineteen okay. regulations for television and film. Yep. And earlier this week as well, the IOTC president Matthew Loeb made a statement on the 
IOTC website. They said basically that we must continue to recognize the severity of the COVID-19 crisis and the lethality of this contagion in recognition of the new emerging coronavirus cases linked to certain reopened businesses, facilities, and other institutions. We must strive for safety in our workplace. IOTC has never experienced a near total shutdown of all of our industry at one time. Therefore, we must do everything to avoid further closures of our industries. So like, just to your point of like, you know, look, whether I believe or not, I'm going to wear the mask because that's what we have to do to protect everyone's mm-hmm. livelihood. Same policy yeah. coming out of the IOTC, it sounds like. They're not going to take it. Whether you believe it or not, this is what we have to do to keep us working. I agree with that. I, I, I think that it needs to be the same voice coming from multiple areas and it should just be, you know, whatever the strictest thing you've heard, do that. Yeah. <laughs> because just do just, that. Yeah, just do that because, you know, to be honest, not everybody, not every area that you're filming in is the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like I heard an, a few months ago into, in the middle of all this, there was a NPR show about couples in a relationship and they have different thoughts about the severity of this. How do you, one feels really wow. nervous and one does it. How do you get along? What do you do? Right. And, and the, well, you don't want to discount the other one's feelings exactly. either way. And the, the relationship therapist's suggestion was cater to the person who is most concerned. So the person who is less concerned and maybe a little braver should take the back seat and follow mm-hmm. the guidelines that mm-hmm. the more concerned partner wants to follow. Right. And, you know, I think we just got to be careful. We just got to do this so we can keep doing it. We don't get shut down again and we can keep working. Right. That's it. I agree. Cause I think no matter what, we're going to keep working. So how do you keep yes. everyone safe? How do you keep everyone safe? Yeah, exactly. We're going to dive into the interview with KJ. I think so. But first, go to our website. You'll see a page for anti-racism resources. It's called Do the Work. We have a featured petition today. Lawrence, do you want to? Yeah. So I saw this petition on change.org, and it is a petition to the Department of Justice to stop no-knock warrants. Yeah. Now, if you've been following the news, the no-knock warrant is what was issued for the Breonna Taylor case. I know that they've come out and said they knocked and announced, but that's according to the police department themselves. They, they had one witness that corroborated that. But they did, in fact, have a no-knock warrant, and that allows law enforcement officers to enter property without notifying residents upon entry or identifying themselves as law enforcement. Mm. And uh, we want to put this down because this, this causes a lot of problems, as we've seen with the Breonna Taylor case. So I'll put a link to that petition in the show notes. Also, another page on our website is the Take Action page. Yes, Lawrence, and we've added a new site today called We Got the Vote, and this is what's happening in Florida. I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but about two years ago, the citizens voted on and passed a law giving felons back the right to vote. I think, this personal opinion, that you cannot punish somebody forever because they've done something wrong. It's felons that have completed their sentence, right? Exactly. And so what taking away the voting rights of somebody who's been to jail does is punish them forever. It means they're no longer represented because they're not allowed Mm -hmm. to vote. In 2018, Florida passed a law saying felons who have completed their sentence can vote. And then (laughs) it was tweaked a little bit by the state session saying, well, they have to pay any restitution that they may have on the books or any fines. So We Got the Vote has been raising money to pay this off for people. 
right? It basically turns it into a poll tax, exactly. which poll taxes mm-hmm. were eliminated decades ago. And this kind of somehow tweaks the system to bring that back. So mm-hmm. we got the vote.org. It's a great website where you can donate a little bit of money to help pay off these fines, these fees. So these people who have served their time can be represented and be back into the voting population. There's also betternoahballot.com, which is Stephen Colbert's website that puts all voting information for every state into one place. And there's a bunch of other things on there for you to support, donate to, or get help from. Karen Jean is a production veteran who has spent nearly two decades bringing creative to life. With expertise in the development of varied styles of content production, Karen provides consistency in production direction and supervision, ensuring strong brand alignment, creative excellence, and production efficiency. She has worked in both New York and Los Angeles on a number of well-known brands, including Universal Studios Hollywood, Kia, ESPN, Jack in the Box, Pepsi, AT&T, M&M Mars, California Lottery, and Visa. Everyone, basically. Basically everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Karen has worked at several creative shops, including BBDO New York, Brown Zero, Wong Duty, and most recently, David and Goliath. Yeah, let's take a listen. KJ, we'd like to start by saying, how are you? Where are you? How's your health? How's your family? How's it going? I'm doing okay. I am I'm in LA. Health is great, thank goodness, considering everything else that's going on in the world. You're, yeah. you're kind of grateful for, mm-hmm. uh, for a little bit of help. So it's going slow and it took a little while mm-hmm. to finally yep. get to a point where, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't crazy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I think we started off in this weird, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? So everybody's kind of huddled mm-hmm. together. We're sitting there just kind of, you know, packing ourselves in and just hoping for the best. And then I think mm-hmm. it was an eventual kind of emergence of this is how things are going to be for a while. Okay, let's mm-hmm. figure it out. And it's funny because as producers, we're used to having a plan. We're used to, oh, we know what we're going to do. Or, hey, plan C, plan B, right. plan F, like, let's pull it together. Let's do this. Let's. But for the first time in a really long time, it was like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, what's going to be yeah. next? I have no idea where we're going to go. I have no idea, like, you know, what we should be doing. So may I ask about follow-up? Are you freelance? Are you at a company? Were you at a company? I was, and it's actually strange. The last, I would say, four or five months have been the strangest Mm-hmm. months of my career because I've always been on staff always since I my first job as an assistant at BBDO New York always oh, wow. on staff nice. yeah and for years like I started in like 1990 you know always on staff and then I would say in April I got the opportunity to move to another in-house agency. Mm -hmm. And at first I second guessed it because, you know, I've been in agency world forever. The concept of going in-house, like out of agency life into more of an in-house production kind of scenario, Mm -hmm. that kind of popped up. And it's funny. I've had a lot of friends who have said, 
don't ever go in house. It's like insane. <laughs> and then I've had other friends who are like, depends oh, on where you're yeah, at. Yeah. It depends on where you're going. It's like, ah, oh, this work-life balance. And which is a whole other topic. Cause I don't believe work-life balance actually is a thing. It's not achievable. <laughs> it's not, no, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a thing. That's like a sidebar conversation, but you know, it depends on where you're going. And so I was just like, you know, what? I'll give it a shot. I've never been in house and, Agency world is so crazy these days, especially with quarantine. You've got agencies that are either doing really well or agencies that are struggling. Mm -hmm. Maybe in-house is the way to go because the concept there is you're not worried about winning a client business. You're not concerned. Right. You are the client. client. So at that point, you're not pitching. You know, that that concept of we're going to lose the client goes away. So I did that option and literally... After seven years at David and Goliath, I was just like, okay, I'm going to go in-house. And I went in-house and within four weeks of being in-house went, this might not have been a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) So what's that experience like? Like how, and maybe it's an unfair question to ask because you were in this transition period of joining a whole different style of agency-ing, but how did agencies on that side of things discuss and plan to alter the way they work, considering the risks involved in live action filmmaking? And that's a great question because I saw it in two completely different ways because of the move that I had to make okay. in right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. So coming from agency side, and you know, this might be tilted just because the in-house I was in was a little disorganized. So not every in-house mm-hmm. is going to sure. be this way, but, yeah. well, but most of them are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I saw. It. Sorry, guys, but it's all—it's about saving money. It is. Oh. It's all about saving money, and so you don't always hire the most, you know, experienced person in that level because they're usually feeling finding their own way. That's it. That's a good way to put it. Supposedly, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> actual agency, mm-hmm. I will say, came prepared and strong. For like that first production when everything reopened. So it was March. We had this big giant shoot coming up. Talent, cars, you know, everything going on. And all of a sudden things were slowly shutting down. And we're like, Mm -hmm. what is going to happen? And I'm literally in the middle of bidding. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, maybe we just hold. Maybe we just kind of put it on hold and, you know, we'll see what happens. And then, of course things started slowly getting worse and worse. And it became, what can we shoot with Mm -hmm. 50 people to what can we shoot with 10 people to we're not shooting anything at all. (laughs) And and so everything went silent. And then in April, you know, we've got a client who's like, well, what do we do? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, agencies trying to figure it out. We came up with an existing edit and that's what everybody pivoted to. Mm-hmm. We just went to existing footage. Yeah. We, you know, we edited, mm-hmm. worked with post houses. Post houses got it quick. You know, the whole yeah, yeah which I was very yeah. grateful. Yeah. For. Animation oh, that was born yeah. out of the experience of nine yeah. eleven. Yeah, and it's the smartest thing. And that switch, that switch happened very quickly, and we were all very grateful for it because we kept moving. Yeah, we kept moving, but yeah. we still had clients that had the appetite to shoot, and so wow. that was yeah. the hard part. And I think that's where agency life, regular agency, in-house agency, there was a big difference because with regular agency, you still have clients you have to please. Clients sometimes don't care mm. what's going on in the world. No, you know, that's mo- they, it's a lot we've found. Yeah, so. <laughs> they really are just like, well, you're our agency, figure it out. And it's like, um, 
okay, everything shut down. <laughs> what are we going to do? And so all of a sudden was born the entire, yeah. you know, let's Zoom shoot. Let's, you know, send cameras to people and have them shoot themselves. And then we'll get the mm-hmm. footage back and edit. And so there was a little bit of that happening. And then also, you know, going overseas for a little bit, there was some stuff yeah. happening where you could, and for mm-hmm. product shooting, you could do it for typical mm-hmm. things that didn't require a heavy amount of talent. Because once you get yeah. into talent, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, make sure there's enough diversity of talent. Where do you go to shoot that to find that? Right. So it became that kind of a difficult, like, <laughs> do they speak English? Do they speak English? They speak English. <laughs> do, they have yeah. do you subtitle everything? Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot. You know, mm-hmm. can we just do a voiceover? <laughs> and so, you know, all right. of those things kind of popped up. And, and so you have a creative team that's churning. And our internal creative team was probably working three times as hard as they normally did because now it's, how do you, how do yeah. you come up with the ideas? Where are you going? And right. I think during that mm-hmm. period, we as producers leaned on production companies more than ever because it became- I agree with that too. It became producers were in the briefing sessions and we had a much bigger role than we used to. Before it was just, here's your yeah. budget. Make sure you don't go beyond yep, your budget. Exactly. Yeah. And then that was it. <laughs> now it was creative teams were like, well, what can we do? Like, what, what yeah. can we do? Like, what? Uh-huh. And so mm-hmm. there was a lot of research to be done. I think I spent most of April on the phone with production companies mm-hmm. trying to figure out what can we do? Like, what's doable? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? What's open? Who's shooting? You know, and it was yeah. a lot of... Yeah. That's- what do you guys think? What are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. a lot of conversation. That was us for about 60 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <I think. laughs> Talking to everybody like, what's going on? Who's doing what? <laughs> exactly. And yeah. as an agency producer, all of a sudden, every creative is calling you because they don't know what to do. How do we concept? Yeah. Like, what, what are we allowed to yeah. do? And it became one of those where most of your time was spent like either on a webinar, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, or on a phone <laughs> and then helping the creative team to craft. Okay. Yes. Here's your sandbox. Mm-hmm. Like we had to rebuild the sandbox for the creative teams to, so that they knew what they could play in and having those conversations were very helpful. And the thing I think I was really grateful for, production companies were very eager to share information. Everybody was in that we're sharing information mode, which helped so much. I can remember those calls and I can remember, you know, bidding during that time. And uh, as a freelance producer advising the production companies that I normally work for, Mm -hmm. what we could and couldn't do because not everybody has been on set for, you know, 20 years sometimes and you're just like okay so start at 101 what do we need to explain and what do we need to do so going from agency producing to you know basically in-house producing live action Mm -hmm. right since you've bridged the gap I guess what changes do you think that we should be making so that we can keep working because now it's like how can we stay at work right yeah and I think it is educational for creative teams and I think for agencies in-house and out-of-house in general. The biggest thing that I saw between the standard agency and in-house, standard agency has a lot to deal with, particularly when you've got an agency who's um, signatory to SAG, a lot of rules to go Mm. through. And plus, regular agency, they're used to dealing with production companies who are also union. It's 
living that life and knowing that there are rules that have to be abided by. You don't want to write Mm -hmm. creative that has 75 people in it in this time. You want to make sure you're aware of what those limitations are. You're aware of, hey, we're going to have to make sure that, you know, crew is tested, talent's tested. We have to make sure that we're able to be remote. We have to make sure that we're limiting contact. It's really just making sure that we're aware of the creative that's being produced so that we're not putting anyone in danger. The agency I was in just before, very aware of it, very aware, not just on paper and the actors that are coming in, but the people who are going to the shoot as well. There were very, Mm. very strict guidelines internally to make sure that we didn't have more than two or three people leaving the agency at any given time to physically be on set. It was prior approval and you literally had to make sure that you were going up the ladder and it was who's required to be there. We're not putting anyone in danger's way. Because of the, Hmm. there was a good amount of awareness internally from legal perspective and from an insurance perspective for the agency, but also externally for any actors coming through because the agency did not want to be responsible for any crew member or for any actor getting ill during one of our productions. So there were very, very strict. refreshing, actually. Yeah, very strict rules. And, you Hmm. know, we went case by case, you know, looking at it. And when creative was coming in, it's like, what's the risk level of this creative? Are we aware? What are we putting people in danger? We don't want to put ourselves in danger, but we also don't want to put our clients in danger. Again, living that agency model, you're kind of beholden to the client. And God forbid you put them in a situation that now you're shooting a commercial Mm -hmm. for this specific client. Someone gets ill. It's not just the agency. It's the client that comes down on that as well. So there is safety. Well, I, I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. But I also, I was getting pushback from agency producers about the additional cost of yeah. things. And how were they going to tell their client? And I'm like, they're not my client. I know. And <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, I feel like that needs to happen. <laughs> you know, it does cost more to be safe. It does. It does. And yeah. luckily, we were aware of that going in. A lot of the conversations yes. that we were having particularly with production companies before we started bidding our post COVID production costs, let Mm -hmm. us know about those additional costs so that we were letting our clients know there's going to be additional costs. I think the biggest thing was everything is slower. Nothing's going to move the same way and costs are going to go up. Here's the reason why costs are going to go up. Like we, because of all the conversations, I think with multiple production companies explaining what they had had to go through, it kind of prepared us Mm -hmm. so that when everything reopened, we were ready. We let them know, this is what you're looking at. So we kind of came prepared. Yeah. Research Mm. is very, very important. Research was everything. So coming in, we came in prepared, which helped us. Now, on the in-house side, it was a slightly different story Mm. because that research wasn't done. And because for a while Mm in-house, they also have in-house content creators. So you've got a lot of people who are running and gunning. Often in-house. Very very, different process. Very different process. Oftentimes (laughs) in-house, they're not SAG signator. So we had, you know, dealing with SAG before we started off, Mm. there was a big giant book that they handed us of like, here's, you know, safer ways, read this before you start anything. And it was just like, oh my God, like going through and everything that was going to be required. 
we were just kind of like, okay, we kind of have an idea of what this process is going to have to be. And we're going to have to figure out along the way. Going in-house to a place that didn't have to deal with SAG and very often didn't deal with production companies who were union because they're dealing with more corporate, you know, videos and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it's people coming out of quarantine without a clear idea of what is being done outside. That research was missing. That exposure to here's what post-COVID life is like was missing. So... You know, flash forward to about a couple of months in, I start working at an in-house and I literally walk in, in the middle of a production and I'm like, what is this? (laughs) And I look at, (laughs) I look at the script and I'm like, what? (laughs) What? Wait, what? Wait, you know, this is like COVID, right? (laughs) You know, it's COVID era. Like you got, there's a lot of contact and a lot of people in a lot of locations. Like what's happening here? And so it was one of those where you're just like, um, did no one tell anyone like that COVID was going on? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, depends on the age range of people. I know. And it was just one of those where you're just like, I was in awe of it at first because I was just like, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And for a little bit, it was, okay, let's all sit down and we're all going to talk this through. And we're going to talk about like what's happening in these scripts. And here are a few challenges, you know, and again, you know, as producers, you don't go, this is not possible. You just go, hey, let's talk. (laughs) I've adopted this is not possible into my vocabulary right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have full-heartedly been like, what are you guys, nuts? You want to see two people who've never met before kissing? No. Like, yeah, I mean, but... That would deserve yeah. that, for yeah, sure. it would deserve it. <laughs> and would. it did deserve it. <laughs> so. oh. Mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I know. And it's like, it, that's a hard habit to break of, like, you can say no. Like, that's, that's another topic. But <laughs> uh, yeah. Boundaries. Yeah, where you're just kind of like, what do you do with this? Like, how are you going to make this happen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of suggestions being made of like, hey, maybe, you yeah. know, like we're looking right. for families here. We're looking for, you know, like there was like a ton of stunts, you know, physical mm-hmm. contact. And it's like, wow, maybe there's, you know, a father son stunt coordinator team. (laughs) There are totally like we're that's how we're going through. And what was surprising to me was that that creative team, because of that lack of exposure, because of that lack of research, had no clue. No clue what was doable and what was possible. And when it was brought to the attention of you may need to change this or you may need to look at a different way of approaching this, it was a complete surprise, a complete surprise. And so that's one of those moments where you're just like, ooh, okay. (laughs) And then when you're bidding and you've got production companies going, hey, just going to flag this with you. There's a lot going on here. And it's just like, yep, totally get it. Um, We're going to try the best that we can. And we're going to try to find our way around. And, you know, maybe there's a family. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a way to limit contact. Maybe there's, you know, a way Mm. to CG Mm -hmm. people in. So there's not like it's a, a ton of conversation to help yes. a situation that was already existing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, a, I think, the biggest thing that Christian and I have learned over these months of not only talking to people like you, but also us working, is that it takes a lot more conversation, a lot more discussion, and a lot more explanation so everyone's kind of on the same page. I think it points to the fact that, you know, you and I were talking about this before, is that 
the partnership between production and agency Mm -hmm. has to start a little bit earlier. So you don't get into a situation like that early in the concepting of the script and the story. It's like talking to agencies and directors, and that's really hard to do when it's so not even close to bidding yet. It's just kind of in the concepting of like, what is possible? We want to do this story. How can we tell the story, but keep everyone safe? So that way you don't end up in a situation that you walked into. <laughs> but it did it did work itself out in the yeah, end. It did. Yeah. It did. And it's it was a night and day difference because the job that I was bidding just prior was a completely different take because we mm. actually went to the production company before we wrote the scripts. And we identified yep, a production company that we're like, we're working with mm. you because they had a, a number of different directors. That's huge. We literally just went to them and said, hey, we're going to need to shoot. It was a car spot. So it's like, this is what we're Mm going to need to do. Let's talk. And it was a conversation to be had of, here's the idea, here's what we're thinking, and vetting and working, almost partnering with the production company as the scripts were being vetted out. That process actually worked really well because what then happened Mm -hmm. was we had scripts on the table that we knew we could produce. We knew full well yeah. were doable. We knew what the ranges they were. were. Vetted. We fully vetted. Yep. And because it was a production company that had literally like a number of directors, we were like, okay, here are three directors for each one of these ideas. We're ready to go. Hmm. And so we had conversations with all three based on how they would approach. We went to client and mm-hmm. said, hey, here are our concepts. And we were almost half bid because production company really knew the ideas that were on the table. So we were able to actually move Mm -hmm. fairly quickly. So the moment the client was able to focus on a specific spot, we were off and running and we were bidding and we're already pretty much halfway there, identified the director, finished the bid up, and then literally started getting everything pushed through. So we moved fairly quickly because we were working in concert with the production company on that one. And that one was a bit of a difficult one because there was a spokesperson involved. And so we had to make Mm -hmm. sure that we were able to incorporate the spokesperson. And it was one of those weird situations where the client was insistent on using the spokesperson. We found out that the spokesperson was pregnant. We didn't want to expose her. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, the same thing happened, but go on. (laughs) Something similar, but yeah. It's one of those where it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And so we're just like, okay, well, how do we, A, shoot her so she's not showing, but then also how do you make sure she's safe? Because we don't want, you know, we don't want to bring her into a situation like this. And so there were a number of different situations. We finally landed on one. We had to shoot her separately, CG her in, yes. you know, do, mm-hmm. do the whole thing. And we, mm-hmm. we had the whole thing kind of figured out, but it took conversation. It took, let's sit, yeah. let's talk this through. What are our options? What are we able to do? And that helped creative team. It gave them their sandbox. So they knew what they were playing in. And that helped to then back up the creative. I felt for the creative team mm-hmm. because it was a lot of work on their end to try to come up with something that could work based on the tools that they had. And they, they earned their salary from now (laughs) (laughs) But that process ended up working really well because when we were coming out of it, we're bidding a job that we knew was going to work. We knew people were going to be safe. Yeah. As opposed to, yeah, just kind of, you know, 
we're just going to do this and let the production company figure it out. <laughs> right. Figure and it out. I, yeah. Well, I think that I have this complaint as it's been our amount of time that we have that we prep a job has been cut so severely at this point. So going back to the day of actually engaging a trusted director and production company a month in advance of the shoot or two months in advance of the shoot as concepting's happening is just gee, I mean it would make all of our oh, jobs yeah. go easier whether we were had covid or not and so if you had one piece of advice for a producer either agency or live action coming out of this what would it be partnership I mean, 100% partnership. Mm. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, producers always feel like everything is in their lap. You know, oh my God, I got to figure it yeah. out. It's on me. How am I? You have to be able to open up the doors, particularly now, to be able to reach out. Whether you're talking to other producer friends or right. you're talking to, you know, mm-hmm. on either side of, the, of mm-hmm. the fence, it is so important to just partner and bounce ideas. Because trying to figure it out all by yourself right now, not the smartest thing. You gotta have partners. Yeah. You gotta have partners. A hundred percent. That's great to hear you say that, KJ, because I know it's like, you know, Christian and I have been since all this started, <laughs> we've been kind of leaning on each other for like, am I crazy or is this like, <laughs> right, because is this some, impossible? Is this a bad Sometimes you just situation? need validation yeah. that your yeah. idea is like the right one to do because the rest. We've lived our whole careers of, you know, like you said earlier, we just have to figure it out. Yeah. It's up to us. We have to push through. We have to make it happen. We can't really say no. You know, just go, go, go. And it's all on your shoulders. And that was kind of the work ethic pre-COVID. And now all that's kind of shifted mm-hmm. to where, yeah, Christian, a no is the right answer in some situations. And KJ, to your point, yeah, we need partners to support us and we need to partner with the agency and vice versa because we're all in this together and we're all yeah. asking people to risk their mm-hmm. health to execute these projects. Yeah, that's the most important thing. I mean, there's definitely education that has to happen on the agency side, for sure. I think agency, 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 they've got it, they're understanding, but a little bit more education needs to happen there so that Mm -hmm. it's, yes, I know you want to get this done, but we have to understand the situation that we're in. Yes, I know you want to have an entire party scene with 45 people, and they're all mingling on the dance floor. <laughs> but let's talk about <laughs> the realities of that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that in my personal life. Why am I making people do it, that on camera? Exactly. Like it's one of those where it's, you know, <laughs> let's have a bit of an education and an understanding. Hopefully, you know, slowly mm-hmm. people are starting to get it. I was lucky in that I was at an agency that got it quick. They got it very early and they were very responsive to it. Mm-hmm. That same level of education needs to happen at in-house places as well, because the other thing that I'm seeing there is they're just figuring it out for themselves and they may not be taking Mm -hmm. the safety precautions that are necessary to keep them safe because it's, we've got our own shooter and we're just going to get a sound person and we're just going to go out and get this done without the thought of, no, you need to be able to keep everybody safe. Like the concept of, hey, we're going to have right. a COVID compliance officer, <laughs> you know, with us and <laughs> yeah. we're running and gunning right. is a different situation. And I think a lot of that might still be going on. 
how do you police that? How do you monitor that? Not sure unless they're going in with permits. I mean, that's the only way. But there are some times where if they're capturing stuff for social running gun, they may not even have a permit. They're just going. And so yeah. it's yeah. situations like that, that it that's what worries me a lot. And that's the situation mm-hmm. that will jeopardize what is being set up right now. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes people are out there saying, I'm, I've been safe. You have no idea. Even if your best friend says they've been sa- being safe, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. yeah. You can't see no. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't so, see it. so we can all be care- as careful as we you can be. But in the end, it, door handle, I mean, I, uh, you know, all of a sudden it all just, you know, comes into view on the door handle and the, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to calm down, but it's true. Like you can't just go on your cowboys there. No. Right. Sorry, right. Running I gun. mean, there was a situation in the last place that I was at the last in-house where I walked in when I came in, there are many productions happening <laughs> when I walked through the door. One of them yeah. was an in-house. That already gives me oh, anxiety. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. So <laughs> and, and one of them was an in-house production that had blown up. Like it had literally expanded well outside of its realms to the point where, you know, they were bringing in additional Mm -hmm. shooters and you walk in and you're just kind of like Mm -hmm. reviewing like what's happening here. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm sorry, but, you know, is there a budget for PPE? And it's like, what? (laughs) It's like, no. Is there a budget in there to make sure that everybody has masks? And is there somebody who's going to be on staff to make sure that surfaces are being wiped down? as you're moving from one to another, mm. is there, you know, like all the questions are coming just in. Just get a PA to do it. And that, that's what it boiled <laughs> to, where it was no! just like, going to get a PA who's going to be responsible to wipe the things down. And I'm just like, uh, oh my God. And I'm like, is there a questionnaire to make sure people are, you know, and who's taking temperatures yeah. before you start? Like all of these questions were popping up and it was literal blank face of, oh, we have to do that. And it's like, yes. Yes. Yes, you do. And so that (laughs) situation of all of a sudden now people are doing more stuff in house and they're trying to get out there and they're not going by here are the processes that, you know, regular production companies are putting in place. Mm -hmm. They should be in place here as well. And so that was non existent and it was frightening. It was one of those situations where I literally went to the president of the company to say, I'm going to red flag this and I'm going to red flag it in a way for you to understand, which is you are physically liable. This company is liable. Anybody Mm -hmm. on this set gets sick. And that includes the people who don't work for you. You're liable. (laughs) And so at first, at first it didn't kind of sink in and then it started sinking in. Right. Because they didn't even have a policy. They didn't have a code policy for outside productions as in company wide. Hey, if you're going to be on production in our name, here are a list of things that you need to do. And I see your eye. Right. That's about as wide I just, as my eyes were when I yeah. found out that they had no COVID policy. And I was just like, no, you're going to need one. No, you need one. You're sending yeah. people out. You're sending people out in your name to do these types of productions. They're under your watch. So you need to make sure that there's a policy yep. for them because if they come back and they're ill, it's on you. 
And so at first it yeah. didn't sink in. And then it slowly, once, you know, we started talking to the insurance guy and the legal guy and, you know, and these are, these are the conversations as I'm starting in this in-house that I'm having, like I'm pulling people into these conversations yes. oh boy. where all of a sudden our internal legal and, you know, insurance were like, Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. HR had to be pulled in and they're like, Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. And then it's like, yes, we need a policy. The lights came on. The lights in the house came on. The lights came on, yeah. And it's also, it goes beyond that. Just, you know, talk about liability of one company. But if you are hiring freelancers and outside people, there's no way to prove this. But chances of spreading this virus and film production is only as good as their Mm -hmm. last shoot, right? You know, you, you hear about neighborhoods that have filming limits because some crappy company went in and busted up the whole neighborhood or, you know, tore up all the landscaping. We all want to stay working, right? So somebody that's not obeying the rules and that's missing the bigger picture of this is jeopardizing other companies from continuing to work or a film industry shut down until it gets figured out. So liability is one thing, but then, you know, we all are trying to sustain this industry to keep operating safely. Oh, yeah. Very. And I could see that, you know, a small run and gun operation could be the operation that jeopardizes everybody else. And that's the fear there where it's, you know, you just need one person to get sick, you know, just one. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, the film industry is, you know, a mess. And if you're not careful, that's the end of it. Um, But even aside from that, it's why would you want to put anyone in jeopardy, particularly for, you know, a social post or, you know, because when you look at it at the (laughs) end of the day, it's just like, was it really worth, you know, this person being sick for 45 days because you needed to do, you know, a quick Twitter, you know, post it's, I mean, look at it at that point, you almost have to put it in perspective. All right, that was Karen Jean. Thank you very much for the time, Karen. And like I said, part two is next week where we talk about systemic racism. Fascinating. So this show is edited <laughs> and produced by Rob Winky. Artwork and logo designed by Christopher Daniels. And our music was composed by Kyle Pachia. Thanks everyone for listening. We're back next week with part two. Until then, stay safe, stay connected, and stay active. Okay, so wear your mask. Obviously, after today, like, you just need to wear your damn mask. Okay, everyone? Yeah. I mean, definitely wash your hands, stop touching your face, clean your phone, all of those things, but your mask is so important. The mask is important. Send us your voice recordings or your emails, your stories to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Lawrence, how do people reach you directly? Two ways, voiceoflawrence.com for voiceover work or lawrencetlewis.com. How about you? People can get me at sisterchristianproducers.com. Bye, y'all.